1: Welcome back in. You're listening in to the August 17, 2018 episode of the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a Rotovis podcast dedicated to answering your fantasy football questions. We are brought to you by the folks at the FFPC, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. I'm your host, Jeremy Hart at Fantasy Gumshoe, and joining me today on the show is a fake football meteorologist for the roto of .com, the Swami of Konami, the Great Rebino, the Colossus of Catch, the Sultan of Stat, the Titan of Touchdowns, the King of Konami. Welcome back to the show, Rich Rebar. You can find him on the tweets at Lord Reeves, it is great to have you back on the Mailbag Show, Rich man. What's good?
2: That, that's probably the, the best intro I've ever had. I, <laughs> I, I kind of dug that. I mean, you definitely can throw throw some throw some more in there. I mean,
0: what else do you got off the top of your head there? Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store fifty to seventy percent off. Dresses from nineteen ninety nine. Polos from sixteen ninety nine. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory.
1: <laughs> we well, I mean, we we literally have Zach Morris. So, well, not literally. We we figuratively have Zach Morris on the show, right? So I have to bring something back for the peoples of the sandlots. You know what I mean? Yeah, I love it. I love it. Well, we're gonna answer. Hopefully, we're gonna answer all the off-season questions for this week. We are uh, recording, as a disclaimer, one day early here. So, in case anything uh, gets a little bit stale here, you'll know why. But that's all good. You know, it's funny, Rich. We had uh your your partner in crime, your buddy, old pal, uh Pat, on last week, also of the RotorWorld.coms, World and uh, <laughs> we were supposed to record Thursday as well. And he forgot he was uh gonna be covering the preseason. And I said, you know, uh we used to have this comic strip when we were young, goofus and gal. Well, a goofish forgets about that, and Gallant calls me a week in advance and says, "Hey, we might need to record on a different day. We've got this preseason thing going on." So, you, in that instance, was uh, was Gallant. So, I must I must say, oh, I
2: love it. Yeah, you know, um, we you schedule things for the end of August, and you figure you're still good because they're still on Fridays or Thursdays <laughs> or Saturdays. Even because this weekend, even we've got kind of a logjam of people that aren't going to be available for preseason games because all these games you don't re- you forget that, they run them all on these goofy days, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. They're not typical Sunday games. And you always think that, uh, you know, months in head, you're like, yeah, I got those days free. I can schedule something and I got stuff. And, um, you know, lo and behold, that was us. We were trying to figure out a date month. This was months ago, me and you and I. And it's like, oh, whoa, yeah, there are games we have to cover. Oh, I forgot about that. You know, so, <laughs> It is <yeah. laughs> a weird
1: schedule now, too, right? Because, I mean, it seems like this year, even, you know, we've got three games on this day, three games on the other yep. day. It seems like they all used to be, you know, on a Saturday, maybe a Friday, and that was about it. But, um, you know, let's talk a little bit some of the uh, off-season work you're doing. Of course, you are the maker of the worksheet, the creator of the worksheet to rule all worksheets, and uh, you've been busy all off-season diving into the unknown, so to speak. So, for anyone that is crazy enough to have not read this in preparation <laughs> of the season... Uh, you know, just quickly give us a rundown. You know, why you do it, what, and why it's unlike anything else out there.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, I do it selfishly. I do it for myself. I want to learn the stuff first, and then decide I put it down for everyone else afterwards. But no, it's just uh, you know, just a, a thorough, you know, top-down view of kind of what happened last year and what we can build off of. Um, that happened last year into micromanaging it into how it can apply to this year. You know, a lot of, a lot of it is regression analysis, just stuff that stuck out from last year, abnormalities, things that we can expect to bounce back to the mean in either direction, you know, for players, uh, for teams. You know, we start, I started looking at it for like a team level, like in like scoring drives and plays and red zone production. And you kind of whittle it down to the positions and how to attack each position in fantasy ball. Then some individual player notes. On everyone, you know, um, under that umbrella, that position, yeah, as as we go on, just try to f- throw something in there that, you know, hopefully when you open it up, it's got at least one or two things you didn't know, and you you walk out of there, uh, you know, th- with some new information to to at least throw in your draft, and someone picks a player, just so you can you can tip a beer to him and you know say, hey man, I knew that.
1: Yeah, these are by far and away, Rich, the most comprehensive, in-depth uh, pieces of information you're ever going to see. Like, I, I, you know, just in the corporate world, like, I've done a lot of, you know, project management, operations management, training things of that nature. And, like, they say any trainer, right, like, you're in the classroom, you're going to take away 10% of the information that you take in. Like, that's all. Well, so mm-hmm. I go into it and I look at your worksheet. Okay, I'm going to take one to two things away from each of these. And I look at it and go, holy shit, man, like, I'm dry- jotting down five five to seven things at least about each one of these on a per team basis right and then by the time I get done I'm going oh my gosh like this is just this is just truly amazing and if you if you do this deep dive and read Rich's work here I mean it's going to set you apart you're going to have an edge just based on the on the market on the ADP early season DFS there's nothing more important than having a basis of going in when you know we know that we don't know a lot, so you can even use that to your advantage there. So based on all of your off-season work, Rich, give us an offense that you're higher on them most and maybe an offense that you're lower on them than most mm-hmm. as well. Well, I think some
2: people are starting to come around, but definitely the Bengals. The Bengals are a team that I've kind of highlighted. It, you know, it, it kind of sinks because two of their guys go really early in drafts. I think as a whole, this, this is going to be where the tide rises for all these guys. I mean, they were kind of just victimized by their own kind of offensive incompetence last year. They were last in the NFL in offensive plays per game last year, just 57.9 offensive snaps per game. That was their third lowest per game average in their 50 year history since being in the league. In the context of what they've done in the four. Fourteen years under Marvin Lewis, it was basically they they ran basically a game and a half worth fewer plays that the, just all their players lost on production basically. Um, so I mean, and then you look at what the Bengals did as an offense when they when they were effective. They had 25 passing touchdowns to just six rushing touchdowns last year. Um, that was the fourth highest passing touchdown rate, you know, in the league. And that was after they had just gone six straight years of rushing for double digit touchdowns and averaging almost 15 rushing touchdowns per game or, or per season over that span. It was their fewest amount of rushing touchdowns they had as a team since 2008. So, I mean, you look at teams that have, they, they've scored that high of rate of passing touchdowns. Uh, over the past decade, they've come back the following year. rushed for 5.2 more rushing touchdowns per year—that bodes well for the ground game. We know that they've upgraded their offensive line. They've gotten Cordy Glenn. They've gotten Billy. They drafted Billy Price in the first round. They don't have Gio Bernard coming off of a torn ACL entering this season. Uh, you know they've got—they seem committed at least through practice and even in that first preseason game to incorporating John Ross in the offense. Uh, they might get Tyler Eifert—you know—in in some capacity back this year. They seem to have like a hybrid tight end receiver that that had, that people are excited about in Auden Tate so i mean th- this is an offense i think that's just due to bounce back in general and they they were actually pretty good like the last five or six weeks of last year. And they ran the ball well the last five or six weeks last year, too, even with that porous offensive line. So, I mean, I'm looking at this this rush game. Geo's real cheap. You can grab him. And Geo's one of those guys, like when we were talking about drafting satellite backs and fantasy football, I typically don't like to draft them. But Geo is the archetype of the one you do want to draft because not only does he have a role, he doesn't have anyone to really leapfrog him from being the direct backup to Joe Mixon, like we saw last year, you know, typically these guys, you have a guy like Duke Johnson, who's one of the highest satellite backs that gets drafted. If you know something was happening to Carlos Hyde, Nick Chubb would just replace Carlos Hyde, and then now you don't really get that bonus from having Duke Johnson, Tariq Cohen, same way he's not just gonna take over for Jordan Howard if he goes down. But I mean, Geo is one of those ancillary backs that will inherit, you know, the type of workload, and we saw that, you know, the final month of last year when Mixon had that concussion. So I mean, I'm looking at the. the back angles and um I like a lot of their pieces I mean like I said Geo's chief Dalton's dirt chief you get John Ross in the drafts and then even a guy like AJ Green who goes in the second round AJ Green's one of the best second round picks I can remember having in like the past decade I mean you start with a top four running back and you can get a guy that could possibly lead the NFL in target share and is do a little bit of positive regression himself based on the number of catchable targets he had last year I'm all for starting at drafts that way
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, A.J. Green is somebody that was a pick 11, pick 12 last year, right? So you had zero chance of pairing a Lev Bell and an A.J. Green last year, and now you legitimately can just because of the influx in running backs here. And I mean, if you just out there do the macro level, at the very least, if you just went in and skimmed Rich's work, like you would know the Bengals are an offense to target. And this is single-handedly the reason why I am a little bit overexposed to Andy Dalton as a QB2 in my best ball drafts here because of that offense. I'm exposed to Gio Bernard as an RB four or an RB five, whether it's an MFL ten or, or an FFPC or a best ball or a, a play draft, depending on where I'm drafting there. Uh, unfortunately though, Rich, I most often have paired Andy Dalton with my QB one being Alex Smith in that freaking Washington situation now that Darius Geis has done. Chris Thompson ain't ready here. So I mean, who's the back to own now in Washington? I mean, how is this all gonna impact the passing game? What what are we doing here?
2: Yeah, unfortunately, it kind of rolls over. We talked about one of those situations. We talked about the satellite backs, and it, it really is the guy, only guy you can really point to having any confidence in is Chris Thompson. I mean, you look at the duo of Rob Kelly and Samaj J.P. around last year. They combined to have just one top 30 scoring week in the seven games they played together. And that was a game of Rob Kelly had 18 yards on 14 carries. He just fell into the end zone. Um, then you look at what I, the work a guy like Warren Sharp has done and his strength of schedule analysis is probably the best uh, that there is in the business there. He's, he has them pegged with the number two hardest rush schedule in the NFL – and versus the number 20th passing schedule. So, and you look at their personnel, they're, they're kind of just built to throw now. I mean, you've got Alex Smith, a mobile quarterback, You can spread the field. You've got Paul Richardson, Josh Doxson, Jordan Reed, Vernon Davis, Chris Thompson, you saw Jameson Crowder. Like, this team should just swerve into the skid and open things up. I don't know if they will, but I mean, if, if, if they do so, um, I mean, you still want to look at a guy like Chris Thompson if you're highlighting the him out of this triumvirate between Kelly and P. So I think that those guys, there'll be a situation where Kelly starts the year like he is now and probably doesn't really play that great. They give P. Ryan a burn. He probably doesn't play that great either, They kind of kind of just trade that off but Chris Thompson's role is safe he played a career best 33.8 snaps per game last year only James White ran a pass route on on a higher rate of snaps than Chris Thompson did a year ago he averaged 13 yards per catch for running back that's that's probably not going to roll over but I mean still it's the type of electric player you're getting unfortunately he's He's admittedly admitted that he's not going to start the season 100%, probably won't be 100% till somewhere around uh mid-October, November even. That's kind of scary. And like we talked about before, he's not one of those guys that's going to elevate. You know, if Kelly goes down, P Ryan just does what Kelly does. You know, Thompson's going to stay in the role. He he is he is in unfortunately, but I mean, by default, he's he's the answer to the question there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it's one of those things. I mean, if you're, if you're doing a 0.5 PPR or less, you can go ahead and take a guy like Rob Kelly late because you know, you've at least got somebody early season to mm-hmm. give you some production if you need to, but you're certainly not going to hang your hat on that, uh, you know, long term there. We do want you to hang your hat on a 30% discount on the RotoViz NFL pass though. You can get that right now. Just go to rotaviz.com slash podcast. That subscription gives you unlimited access to our premium NFL content and it also supports this pod. You can also support the pod by subscribing to and rating the Road of His Radio channel on iTunes. Do that. You'll be eligible to win a free $35 entry to a league at the FFPC. Just go to iTunes, leave a review with your name in it, and then listen to future episodes to hear if you are the winner. Time's running out on that one, so you better act fast. Also, if you're interested in being in an FFPC league, time's running out here as well uh, with some of the Road of His writers and podcasters. Simply email us at roadofhisradio at gmail.com, and we'll go ahead and get that set up for you. Also, if you're a fan of the show, you want to sub directly to the Fancy football mailbag feed do so it takes hard work getting the show out every week so do us a solid and hit that rate button and uh some of you already did and did enter in a contest for a free ffpc uh 35 league that we did that uh, this last week here and i mean what more could you ask for? A free $35 uh, league entry just by going in and rating and reviewing the show. So this week's winner is Chris Koenig. So uh, go ahead and email us, buddy, at rotovisradio at gmail.com. We'll go ahead and get that set up for you. Uh, also, last but not least, if you have any QQs you want answered on the show, email us, wordofisradio at gmail.com. We'll go ahead and get that set up for you as well. All right, Rich, let's dive in and fire up some of the QQs for the week. Here we go. First one up is a 14-team PPR league. Uh, this dude is drafting from the number one spot. They are allowed to make draft pick trades, and he did make trades that have essentially netted him three first-round pick values, um, but then he doesn't draft again until the seventh round. So he does, however, pick up extra pick. And the eighth, the eleventh, and the twelfth here. So he is asking what he should do strategy wise. It's interesting, right, Rich? Because mm-hmm. he's essentially kind of put himself into a, a situation I like, nonetheless. Because it's almost like he's just going straight stars and scrubs in an auction draft mm-hmm. right now. So with that in mind, which way would you go here? You know, how are you kind of building the, the construct of the team?
2: Yeah, we don't know what he, he says. Three first round picks. He give us the specific picks, right?
1: Like, no, just yeah, I didn't. Outside of
2: one, so we have one, and then because in a fourteen-team league, like, Gideon's, like there's a there's a wide gap there, if he has a if he have two top five picks, then that's like really amazing. Is it is it like one? 12 and 13 then now we're in a little more of a you know a gray area of what's going to be available and what kind of direction he can go into so we don't know that um but obviously if he was able to get you know two hammerbacks would be pretty cool if he's able to get two of those top five guys and put them together or even split the baby and go antonio brown in a, in a deep ppr league like this mm-hmm. and you have a big advantage over the field would be fantastic Um, but yeah, not knowing the picks where it's tough, but I mean, say, say after one, we know he has one, so let's just say he has like two back half picks. Um, I would probably look, you're going to basically guarantee to get her like a power receiver there, whether it be your flavor of Odell, Julio, Mike Thomas, Keenan Allen, one of those guys, and then probably whatever, you know, secondary tier, tier two back you like, and then just start there at three hammer options. You got your backs lined up and then you can just start hammering wide receivers, um when you got your anchor wide receiver that's probably what I would do start with the anchor wide receiver and then use those mid round picks to just build around that anchor and start with my two running backs
1: 100% with you there. Yeah, it it there's you know a little bit more unknown here. You know exactly where mm-hmm. these picks lie, but I'm I'm with you in that one of those three picks I'd venture to say is going to at least net him a DeAndre Hopkins, and that's right away. Yeah. Like you you can't walk away and not take an AB or or a nuke with one of those top three picks. Just hammer all the wide receiver value, and then you can circle back with the traditional zero RB guys there as well. So I, I definitely do that right there with you. Um, next. Next one here, Rich Team Outlook. What are you looking at for value in Indianapolis? Mac is hurt. Who's the back to own now? And what are your thoughts on Ryan Grant versus Chester Rogers with Deion Kane now done? And what type of split do you anticipate for Jack Doyle and Eric Ebron?
2: Yeah, interesting. Colts are an interesting team. I think that we kinda of expected them, no matter what, to run some kind of a committee just based on, you know, what Frank Wright coming from Philadelphia, and they kind of have no standout backs either but it was kind of nice that they kind of tipped their hand that they kind of wanted marlon mack to be like the, the head pin of that you know the way they came out in that, that preseason game it's really unfortunate that he hurt his hamstrings you know he was a pretty stand screaming value out there in the seventh round he's not even a guy i love but in the seventh round like he was he was a, a popular pick for me in a lot of drafts that i was doing now he starts the hamstring injury and man ha- running that hamstring injuries in the preseason i know that he's he'll probably be ready for the to start the season, based on everything they said, but like it's scary. I mean, even even if you look at last year, the guys that hurt hamstrings in the preseason, like it was a problem for their production. You know, last year, I mean, some of the guys were older and probably washed anyways, but they dealt with it during the year. And we had younger guys like Corey Davis, Jamison Crowder. Um, we talked about some of the older guys just, just like Danny Wood had Demarco Murray, Matt Forte. Those guys all had preseason hamstring injuries, but they missed multiple weeks of the preseason. So it's still kind of dicey. He the good thing was that he was really. Cheap before so I mean if he falls another round like the 8th round or ninth round like you're really not throwing a lot of risk you know in there he's not you're not making him to start anyways he's kind of a you know you're, you know whatever he gives you is, is okay at that point so I'm not really down on him I'm not really crossing off my board just based on how cheap he was whereas someone you know like a Doug Baldwin that's in the area, like he just goes and he's not falling to an area where I, I still have to pat, bypass really good players that take ball, Doug Baldwin now in, in the unknown. So I just really can't do that. But Marlon Max going in an area where I think you can still get a little juice and squeeze. I still like Hines and Wilkins where they go just for how, how deep they go in drafts. I mean, you're not really drafting those guys based on banking on them for anything. But you know, hey, if you do get something out of that, you know, ambiguous situation, then, then there's some elevation that you can really get with those picks. Uh I think that Doyle is one of the, the, the big biggest values so far, especially in full PPR leagues. Um I think Ebron is, is definitely towards the ceiling a little bit, but you look at Doyle last year. I mean, what he was able to do at Jacoby Brissett, just be a high volume uh be of a high volume target. He's gonna be at Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck has thrown 32% of his passes inside the 10-yard line uh to tight ends over his career. He had really strong success with Doyle when Doyle was splitting with Dwayne Allen two years ago. They connected on 79% of their passes for 585 yards and four touchdowns. Him and Andrew Luck. So, I mean, I I think Doyle is the, the safer play there. He's, he's really just cheap. Like no one drafts him. He goes like, he's like basically goes after George Kittle before George Kittle hurt his shoulder. So he's. He was kind of always out there. He goes behind, like, the David Njoku's of the world. I know David and Njoku had a really monster preseason game. He gives you that upside. Um But Doyle's, like, a nice, real, just, like, safe bet hedge type of tight end. And um the receiver is not really interested in Ryan Grant or Chester Riders. I know I've picked up Ryan Grant in some deeper dynasty leagues, but it's, I mean, any time we can get excited about a guy who's basically never had 600 receiving yards in his career, I mean, you got to do it.
1: <laughs> Rich, what do you? Rich, optimal time here. What are your best and worst, pur- worst purchases you've ever made? Oh man, my I, I can I don't know about my
2: best purchase. I can guarantee you the worst purchase I ever made was uh, a bottle of El Toro tequila I bought like when for, like, $12 when I was probably, like, 20 (laughs) years old, like, you know, (laughs) because, like, everyone has that story, man, like, what was the worst drunk you got, and, like, you you taste that no matter what for the rest of your life, like, that drunk you taste, like, any time you, that smell, like, everyone has that relatable, that relatable smell, that relatable taste in their mouth, you know, for the worst that they ever got, and that was it for me, man, that that bottle of El Toro Vodka, that was, like, poison, poison in
1: a bottle, man. For me, for me, it was the bottle of Everclear when I was 14 years old. You couldn't, we, you couldn't really smell it, right? Once you mixed it with something, but that was the problem. That was the problem. We
2: used to, we used to play uh, Monopoly with Ever Everclear as like a warm up to going out, and you have to take like a, a half a shot, not full shot.
1: You to take a half shot if some, if someone had a hotel on the,
2: <laughs> the place he landed.
1: Many, many, many of uh, college juice was made with uh, Everclear back in the day. A lot of hurry Buffalo, man. A lot of hurry Buffalo was down. <laughs> All right, we we're gonna move on from there because these horror stories. Uh, I'm starting to taste the Everclear in my mouth as we speak. Team Outlook, do I have to swallow my bias against Jarvis Landry and draft him at this point, given the questions surrounding uh, Antonio Callaway and Josh Gordon's availability based on preseason usage, or uh, also is Carlos Hyde the guy to own still in that three back system?
2: Well, listen, man. Jarvis. Jarvis Landry has made countless people swallow their pride, including myself. <laughs> uh, at this point, like it's it's just fair to concede that Jarvis Landry is a good football player, and he's going to do more things down the field in this Cleveland offense than we than he was able to do in the Miami one. I think the the biggest concern is we were kind of worried about that target volume. You know, he he was leaving Miami that never really had a secondary player step up and and threaten his targets, whereas, you know, we're gonna have Josh Gordon, we got Njoku, we got Duke Johnson on the backfield and like kind of the only guy still standing there is well Duke and Duke and Njoku are we don't know what we're gonna get from Josh Gordon. Uh, after that, it's Rashad Higgins is still ahead of Cal. I know Cal had the exciting game, but listen, Higgins played way ahead of him and Higgins played really good in that preseason game too. I think he's got that job pretty much locked up. You know, are they going to add another guy like Des Bryant this week? I mean, he's visiting, uh, you know, on Thursday this week. So I mean, what are, what happens? Um, behind him, but I mean, listen, they trade for him, gave him, extended him a big contract. He, he's been proven to be really good. Josh Hermsmeyer has shown that he's really good at every depth of target he's ever got in his career. He's not just one of these guys that has turned, you know, a bunch of value into something. So, I mean, just, you just have to go on. Like, Jarvis Landry's a good football player. We're, we're going to have to let it be. We're just going to let it be at this point. As far as the running backs, I mean, it could be one of these situations too, where it's just, Hyde doesn't Hyde starts the year, Um, could kind of meander through. the offensive line is significantly worse than it has been the past couple years in Cleveland. Um, and then they just turn to Nick Chubb at some point. I mean, I'm not really excited about either guy. If you look at Hyde, his yards from scrimmage have risen every year of his career, but like kind of where he made his hay last year. Cause he only ran for 3.9 yards per carry. Is he had that big influx of receiving, especially with C.J. Beathard? We know that that's that, that those receptions are fully compromised now. Playing with Duke Johnson, Duke Johnson's at 16% of Cleveland targets last year. He's basically going to make like I would say, Hyde and Chubb probably they might combine for 30 catches on the year. That's That's probably about it. You know, when you consider everything Cleveland has. So, I mean, you can take some shots. Those guys are zero RB targets. I mean, they're not guys I'm I'm particularly drafting because I think, don't think the game script will will be there for either of their roles. And like I said, Duke's got that, got that spot locked up. We kind of seen it with Crowell last year where he was, you know, top five in first half carries and then like 25th in second half carries and games. I think we can probably, we're probably going to see something similar, even though the Browns will be a better team.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And in Hyde, I haven't necessarily gone out of my way to draft. I do have some Hyde shares because, you know, as like a as a fifth running back in some of the Mm -hmm. like 0.5 PPRs like you you can hang your hat on um you know Hugh Jackson just rolling rolling with the vet early on kind of like Tyrod Taylor right and before he kind of finally smartens up and probably gives it back to Nick Chubb or something like that like you can at least hang your hat on getting some early season production in you know from your Mm -hmm. kind of positional group so to speak but yeah definitely not something that you're reaching for there he was a
2: tough guy he was a tough guy to wait on early in drafts because his ADP remained so high that like did he would either get scooped up by like a an auto pick or something at some point like he would never <laughs> hang around drafts long enough because his ADP never got corrected till late in the summer.
1: Yeah, yeah, very good point there as well. Well, his ADP didn't get corrected until late in the summer, but some of these rookies um have maintained uh, a steady drumbeat from an ADP perspective here. So we've got Rashad Penny, Royce Freeman, Ronald Jones all getting drafted in the fourth or fifth uh, in hopes of being potential workhorses here. Uh, this question uh, here, um, he hasn't necessarily hated those picks despite the uncertainty of being rookies. He gets it, but all off season this has allowed him to draft an extra wide receiver up to top then circle back for the likes of tevin coleman and rex burkhead so does he stay the course that way or should he be getting a little bit more exposure up top in round four with some of those rooks
2: easy parking with easy trip now available at dundrum town center
0: so you can now use your toll tags to park in our car parks simply register at easytrip.ie forward slash parking easy parking with easy trip dundrum where
2: more happens. I mean, it's tough at that point, that high in the draft. I was so I was someone that was in that same boat. Like, uh, my I'm real good friends with JJ late round QB that you guys know. Not that's I don't know if that's really a humble brag for a lot of people out there or not, but he likes Sammy Watkins a lot, and I don't really like Sammy Watkins. And my argument against liking Sammy Watkins was that I was just auto-picking Rex Burkhead every time in that spot so I never even cared to like really delve into whether I really wanted Sammy Watkins or not. Like I was just, I was smashing so much Burkhead from like the sixth, seventh <laughs> round, like at that point. and And even if he gets into the fifth, I think he's still a good pick. Now we got to wait and find out what the hell's going on with this undisclosed injury. Uh, But we know we're not going to get any info on that. So good luck, good luck to us there. Um, But I mean, you know, the, the, it's interesting what's happening to these rookie running backs because you've got... Uh, Rashad Penny, you know, breaking his finger. We've got Peyton Barber now. It basically looks like the clear-cut starter in Tampa Bay. We're getting a a weird dynamic where it's playing into both parties really well, what you want to do in your draft, because those those rookies are going to slide now. um, And it's going to create value for if you wanted to target those guys, the pennies, the, the Ronald Joneses. And then it also creates value if you're someone that is just gets bludgeoned at the running back position early on and you're you go wide receiver heavy and now you've got these guys that you can start the year in in chris carson and peyton barber that are lower in drafts and even if they give you a a couple weeks of rb3 flex like production that's more than you were probably getting out of draft pick in that area of the draft anyways to begin with so it's really created this interesting dynamic for both parties also the rookie running backs if you look at the rookie running backs that have popped the past few years, they haven't been guys that just like came out of the gates like wildfire. I mean, sure, we had Fournette, but remember Gurley was a guy that missed like the first four weeks. Uh, Kamar didn't do anything the first four weeks last year. He hardly got any touches. Le'Veon Bell missed the first couple weeks of his rookie season. I mean, if these guys start behind these guys and they have to work their way up, I mean, it's, it's still fine. It doesn't mean that they're not going to provide value at some point in the season and they, they their season's just off and you just move them off their boards because they're obviously the preseason started so poorly for some of these guys um so it's interesting i mean roy Freeman is a guy what's crazy is i love roy stream is probably one of my favorite running backs of, the, of this class he's just a pro typical guy that doesn't do well in the scout's eye but like every single objective point of view points this guy being good at football and you know he, he had the big run and He's playing behind Devontae Booker, a dude that's just been like a terrible rusher his whole career. He, Devontae Booker is a terrible rusher going back to, going back to Utah. Like he, he had, he had yards. If you look at like his yards created metric on his own, like he was, he was always poor bottom of, bottom of college football and those, those metrics. He's just a really good receiver out of the backfield. Um, what's funny is he goes in a spot where I just like, I'm like that guy that's asked the question. I'm just typically not taking one of those guys at that, that point because I've been, Basically hammering running backs early. I'm usually, I usually always have two running backs out of the first three rounds. And I'm just at that point of the draft, I've started to either shift to either Burkhead as my RB3, like flex spot, or I'm starting to really get deep into wide receivers at that point. So, I mean, I know that was super long winded, but you know, hey, we arrived there.
1: Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. That's that's pretty much what I've been doing as well. It's having Coleman, Rex Burkhead. Um, you know, I, I have gone up a little bit for for Lamar Miller, as ugly as it is. Uh, we we know on this show, I probably overdrafted Lamar Miller just for the unsexy, just guaranteed role there, knowing what I'm getting out of the backfield there. Um, but if you had to be an inanimate, in ineminent, ineminent object for a year, Rich, what would you choose to be?
2: In any, an inanimate object? Ooh, I mean, so we can get dirty. I mean I would say you, you gotta go computer here though, right? You gotta be you get like you got a chance for you got a chance for sentient being here. Like um you, you can come and
1: take over the world and then eventually lose in tic tac toe to Matthew Broderick. <laughs> Nicely, nicely done, too. And you are going to take over the world. That's the scary part about it. Like, I'm watching a, a pretty bad show, actually, called Humans on AMC. And, I mean, it's just, you know, it's like the modern-day Terminator, right? Like, these robots are taking over the world. So, I mean, I guess if you can't beat them, join them, right? <laughs> All right, just when I get excited about drafting Matt Breida late, uh, he gets injured. So, do I still take advantage of the suppressed ADP now with the injury news? And uh, what are the char- uh, what are the Chargers doing with Austin Eckler and Jackson? Uh, who's getting the share there?
2: I think you're fine to still take Breida. I mean, like I said, uh, I tend to, as the draft moves on, alleviate the early con- early uh, concerns for injury. I mean, unless it's a guy like. The only guy like in that point of the draft where that that has been hurt that I'm really just not touching right now is Rashard Matthews, just because we have no clue what's wrong with him. But I mean Breed has got the shoulder injury. Uh he's supposed to be back, you know, either for week one or, you know, um, you know, into week two. I mean, it's tough to say what Alfred Moore at this point is he a camp body. Um we saw like Jerry McNichols was getting first team reps today, like with the forty ers Like I don't know how this is gonna it's play out. It's all happening <laughs> It's
1: happening. It's not. It's not Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
2: the, the Joe Williams is who knows? I mean What's going on there? But I mean I think Breed is cheap enough to prime. It's um, definitely when you're looking at the Chargers guys though, the guy is Eckler and you know he looked he looked hot through that first preseason game too. I know it's not often you don't want to make a lot of that, but he built he he was good while he played last year. I'm really curious to see what he does this year as it pertains to Melvin Gordon because when he started playing last year, man, Melvin Gordon, he took a little ding from Austin Eckler. I mean, if you look at the first six weeks, I mean Melvin Gordon He had 28 catches for 222 yards and four receiving touchdowns. Then the next seven games when Eckler carved out that role before he broke his hand, Melvin Gordon only had 15 catches for 85 yards and no touchdowns. The snap rate dropped by 10% per game. Uh, He went from 17% of the Chargers targets to 10% with Eckler playing. So I'm really curious if that kind of, rolls itself over this year and, and really puts a, a damper on, on you know, Melvin Gordon's, you know, ceiling output. I will say this for Melvin Gordon, though. I'm not scared because he doesn't have a threat for any goal line work uh, between Eckler and Justin Jackson. And, you know, the Chargers probably, this is the one time, like, I know that they've pulled, they've char- Chargers have Charlie Brown us, man, for so long, Lucy with the football. <laughs> uh, but, like, this it's set up for them to actually really be good this year. And he's at the best offensive line he's had. So I mean, I'm not terribly scared, but it will be. I will will be curious to see if his ceiling, uh, potential is thwarted by you know that that Ancelator receiving back like it was during the the heart of last season.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean. Uh, I, I'm not scared of Melvin Gordon. Like, name of the game is volume, right? He's, mm-hmm. he's gonna get it. He's gonna get it. I don't care how bad I that YPC is. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we got the next one here, Rich, is the, is the fuck Mary Kill for this week. We got the new millennia apparently hates, hates fun, right? So we've got three options here. Uh, one of them is apparently something called Zach Morris trash. Another one is Danny LaRusso was the bad guy. And then there's another group out there that says say no to Grandpa Joe from Willy Wonka here. So what you got for us? I don't I don't
2: know what the last two of those are. I'm intrigued what they are. Uh, I d- I talked so, on the
1: Davis Matic podcast
2: about the Zach Morris thing though. <laughs>
1: so apparently there's there's a there's a YouTube uh video out there and where it's uh, talking about Danny LaRos- Danny LaRusso from Karate Kid was the bad guy, and it, it essentially alludes to the fact that the 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 boyfriend uh, comes into to the little beach soccer you know campfire party there, and he really just wants to talk to his girlfriend who just so happens to be. There with another guy and his friends. And then Daniel LaRusso is the one that throws the boombox. Daniel LaRusso is the one that takes the cheap shot. And Daniel LaRusso is the one that barges into Mr. Miyagi's office. And he's the one uh, that incites murder at the beginning of Karate Kid 2 when he asked uh, Mr. Miyagi why he didn't kill the dojo from the uh, the sensei from the other dojo. So basically, in uh, Say No to Grandpa Joe, Rich, from Willy Wonka, is basically Grandpa Joe, you know, he wins the golden ticket. He says he. He wants to bring Joe, Grandpa Joe, with them, and of course he's been sitting there for 20 years in his bed, um, not doing anything, not working, and everybody's eating this porridge, cabbage, crap soup, and laying in the bed. But he so happens to still be able to buy tobacco and things like that. So these these are what we're dealing with on this this <laughs> this pivotal moment in Rotoviz Mailbag history.
2: Well, it wasn't. I'm pot committed to Zach Morris. Uh, you can definitely check out that podcast where I address this and how you know. Listen, man, if if Zach Morris already is getting thrown in the bus, like wait till they get Fresh Prince, man. Like <laughs> yeah. they're gonna tear him. Listen, Fresh Prince was you know African American <laughs> Zach Morris. Like, like if it, it's coming, man, it's coming sooner or later. Um, I'm kind of like uh, so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna fuck Zach because I'm staying with him. That's my deal. I fuck with Zach Morris. Uh, we're going to, I, I kind of like this, Daniel Lears thing. I'm going to go read about this. So we're going to marry that. And then we're going to kill grandpa jokes. He, listen, he probably needed the plug pulled out him a while ago. <laughs>
1: I, I I killed Grandpa Joe here, too. Now, I'm, I'm going to say this. Like, these these narratives in these videos, like, are freaking hysterical. They're all of all time. Of course, this is just, our like, our childhood growing up. And I,
2: Well, 90s misogyny was real. Like, that was a yep. real thing, so. Oh, oh, yeah.
1: I mean, it was 6.30 a.m. You wake up. You go watch Saved by the Bell. You get home from school. The bell rings. You go home. You watch Saved by the Bell. Like, that's just the way it works. Now, I will say this is very reminiscent of, you know, I don't know, a YouTube up clip of, uh, you know, our, our favorite football players that are only just picking up all the great plays that they have throughout their collegiate profile, <laughs> and these just happen to be the bad moments. I mean, it's not like Zach Morris didn't help Jesse Spano when she had, uh, you know, an addiction to sleeping and caffeine pills, uh, caffeine pills it was, right? Like, it's not like Daniel LaRusso didn't have good moments. It's not like Zach Morris didn't, uh, you well, know, try to take in a girl and, and her, her father from being homeless off the street. But you know, it's it's fun. So I think but yeah, I'm with you. We're going to kill Grandpa Grandpa Joe because uh <laughs> apparently he did not want to give that everlasting gobstopper back to to Mr. what what the Frick was his name? I don't even remember. Such. Gene Wilder, man. Gene Jane Wilder. Yeah, and and Sudge, Sudge, who's the, who's the undercover guy? Sudge. Oh, oh yeah, I don't yeah, what was his name?
2: Was it yeah, I can't remember. I don't know what I'm talking about though.
1: I don't know, but, like, I, I went back to actually share that movie with my daughter and my son, and then I realized, like, they're, they're drinking this magical, bubbly elixir water, and they start mm-hmm. burping their way into the air, and then they go into this tunnel from the Chocolate River, and then all these hallucinations start coming up, and I'm thinking to myself, like, what the frick am I showing my kids right now? Hey, the acid I- tunnel was real. <laughs> I thought this was a kid movie. I'm going, like, <laughs> Whoa. This is nuts. Got these slave workers here,
2: <laughs> these immigrant slaves. Like, yeah, it's real. It was, listen, the Johnny Depp one's even way worse. They're oh. doing another one, aren't they? Are they really? Oh, gosh. I think they're doing it because well, Donald Glover was up to play Willy Wonka. Oh, boy. it's like, rumors he was going to be Willy Wonka at, at some point. The Johnny Depp one's, like, really bad. It's, it's kind of unwatchable.
1: Of his fans, allow me a brief second to tell you about our good friends at the FFPC, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. The 2018 fantasy draft season is in full swing, and the FFPC has a format to suit every diehard's interest and budget. Whether it's best ball, or superflex, or classic managed leagues, there are drafts filling daily, starting at just a thirty-five dollar entry fee. Jump into a slow or a live draft today. Now, are you ready for your greatest challenge? Then check out the FFPC main event in its eleventh the main event is the world's biggest event in season-long fantasy football. Come to Las Vegas for a three-day weekend of live drafts and festivities at the Planet Hollywood Resort and Casino, or draft online from the comfort of your home. Play for the massive $250,000 grand prize, over $2.2 million in total prizes and fantasy immortality.
3: Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited.
1: All right, Rich, we're jumping right back in here. We're going to bring the reins back in a little bit, but only a little bit, because we got to know if you were given full reign of the food pyramid, Rich, what would it look like? Like just rearranging it or like swapping stuff in and out? Whichever way you want to go. Like if you got uh, an empty triangle and you got to make a new food pyramid, like what would it look like? What would your food pyramid look like? Oh, my food pyramid man! To the top,
2: the the point of this, the apex, the pantheon is tacos, man. And we can we can do lot tacos, a lot of way, uh, fish tacos, shrimp tacos, pork tacos, beef tacos, chicken tacos, whatever you want to do. All the ingredients, the fixins you need. Uh that that we're starting tacos. That's that's number one for me. I mean,
1: it, <laughs> you just went Bubba, you just went Bubba Gump with tacos. Like that was yeah, that was beautiful. Yeah, all those any
2: any type of taco, man. Uh, <laughs> except for Taco Bell tacos, but <laughs> uh, but but all our tacos are in play. Real tacos are in you play. You know
1: that uh, America in, in hashtag America, they they literally just voted Taco Bell the number one uh, Mexican restaurant in America. <laughs> <laughs> is it real? Is it, is it <laughs> you know what, I'm pretty sure, like, I'm 95% sure but, that actually That's probably happened.
2: because there's not, like, like every Mexican place, like, anyone has near them is probably a mom-and-pop place, whereas, like, there's not, like, a lot of big, like, big Mexican chains.
1: And that's the one you want to go to. That's your best restaurant right there. But, it, that... but that's probably
2: why a default
1: wins, though, because yeah. I,
2: I think any city you go to, like, what's your favorite Mexican place? It's some place that only exists there. Yeah, like, true. You know what I mean? Like it's it so like it, it can't get voted nationwide because it's
1: probably all all mom and pop. You know, I got it's not one like vote a for place uh,
2: where. Yeah,
1: so I got no, one Mochaete—that's well, the place right there.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh but definitely, um, we'll get. I'm going to do a lot of meats in the in the upper the upper area of this. Instead of one, it's like barbecue will be his own subsection as well, and. Nice. Whatever kind of barbecue you want. It's just like tacos, like picking out your favorite, like really isn't important. They're all just like, it's like asking what your favorite sexual position is. Like we'll, <laughs> we'll get by, like we'll, we'll get by. Um, But yeah, I mean, definitely probably a little Memphis style, a little spiciness. I'll take that too in my life uh i'll keep fruits where they are you do need some fruits you definitely got to cut some fruits into your day uh and fruits are good they kind of are cheating you know like i got my kids eat a lot of fruit um it's the one thing you can try to convince them on that it's good because it still <laughs> tastes good you know all the stuff still tastes good so um definitely definitely some fruits because fruits can work in everything we need kind of cut off the tacos and uh kind of alleviate some of that barbecue um and then yeah, we'll just throw water. We'll leave water and fruits where they are, man. I'm good at that. We'll just we'll just move uh barbecue in place of vegetables and tacos in place of whatever. whatever's on top of that thing down.
1: Nicely done, nicely done. Now I have to ask on the barbecue front, are you a sweet and tangy guy or a spicy zesty guy?
2: I'm more of a spicy I'm more of a spicy zest. But I can do the sweetness. Um, I don't mind, but if I'm gonna go to it I'd like a little kick. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's gotta have the kick. Even if it's sweet, it has to have a little kick with the sweet. Like it's gotta be a little bit of both. I can't just do sweet. Like I I don't remember that's <laughs> that's the Carolina way for the most part, right? Like a little a lot of lot of sweet and, and All that jazz in there. I just, I just can't do that. Like, it's supposed to be spicy. It's barbecue, folks. Sorry out there.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's listen. You're gonna. If anything sticks from that, like, you're gonna get the most backlash from that comment.
1: 100 percent absolutely redraft from here rich uh hey guys following up from last week's Devontae parker question now i have to ask again with the news of the broken finger is this maybe the reason why the previous reports about him were bad as his adp drops even further wouldn't i now jump on him at the cheaper tag not like a broken finger should keep him out for a month or anything from now am i right
2: I mean, it's hard to buy that a broken finger. What was causing all the negative reports up to this point and him getting dominated by Xavier Howard? You know, it's funny as earlier in the year, I was kind of looking at both of those guys, Parks and Steels, and I think there's an argument to be made for both, but as it's just come on, it's just becoming like abundantly clear, like the organization just might not really like this dude. And like, it's okay. Just like, if you want to take a shot, I think it's okay. Uh, based on where he goes, cause like he goes like wide receiver 45, wide receiver 50 area. Like I'm not gonna, I have no shade to throw out any dude, anybody that's taking their wide receiver 50. I have no genuine shade at that point to throw on a guy. Uh, but I mean, at this point, I've just shifted all my attention to, to Kenny Stills and the value he is, and he's starting to creep up a little bit, but he's the guy that I've been, I've been drafting a lot of him best ball, so now I'm starting to, to elevate him a little up on my redraft board as well. I mean, you look at his targets, his catch rate, his receiving yard, just fantasy points per game. They've all gone up all three years he's been in Miami. He's been... Used in a more diverse fashion all those seasons. He ran 41% of his routes from the slot two years ago, 47% last year. He actually leads the NFL in touchdowns from the slot over the past two years at 11. Um, he came out and, and had a rapport with Brian Tannehill that first game. I think he's just the safest guy. Uh, he's he's not going to get pushed by Albert Wilson like Devontae Parker might 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 be. Danny is not taking away the kind of targets Kenny Zills is get. Um, so, I mean, I've just shifted to, to Kenny Stills. And it, listen, if you still want to stay with Devontae Parker, I think it's okay. I think there's, like I said, I think I, I can frame an argument with Devontae Parker. Uh, I have earlier in this pre this preseason before. Um, like I said, I just think that at this point, like, it's just like one of those things, like, you don't like, it's like Rotten Tomatoes is a really flawed system. But, like, negative reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, like a bad movie, like, they're probably not wrong. I think that's where we are with Devontae Parker.
1: Yeah, you alluded to Devontae Parker's injury there, Rashad Matthews, of course. Uh, the next question here is about Nelson Aguilar at this point. Uh Are you still willing to take any shots with him, or are you staying away there at, at this point uh, with his injury and Alshon's history here? Uh, doesn't this solidify a too tight on system with Dallas Gotthard, uh as this question is written here, uh, waiting in the wing. So this is interesting, right? I mean, this is like this the classic case of the Super Bowl winner following up the next year. And it just seems like all everything's just starting to go wrong. Like Aguilar potential injury here. Alshon, of course, has the long term injury here. I mean, so what are we doing here? I got to tell you, I I'm looking down the crosshairs of Dallas Goddard. I keep wanting to say Goddard here more and more. (laughs) (laughs) What say you?
2: But, yeah, the Eagles are kind of a double whammy team because not only are they due for, like, touchdown recoil as a whole for how efficient they were, they're also, they also are one of those teams we talk about, the Bengals. They were actually the third team in the NFL of the highest, you know, rate of passing touchdowns. They scored 47 offensive touchdowns last year and only nine were rushing. Like, it's pretty, it's pretty rare. We talked about the, the kind of loss of, uh, passing touchdowns, the the same, in that same tax bracket over the past decade, teams have lost minus 7.2 passing touchdowns per year, year over year. Then we have Wentz and Wentz has his own touchdown regression, like that is, is separate from all that. So, I mean, there's a lot on the team level and quarterback level that points to one, them throwing less touchdowns, scoring less touchdowns. So, I mean, that already dings all the receivers. And if you look at Alshon and Aguilar, the way they lived for fantasy purposes last year, those were guys that only lived because of touchdowns. There was no yardage and receptions, you know, boost from those guys. I mean, Aguilar reached 60 yards receiving just four times last year. He had more than four catches in four games. Like, the, he lived on touchdowns like Alshon did. I mean, I have no, like I said, he's going in an area of the draft where, like, I don't have genuine shade because he's cheap in whatever. You're drafting as a bench player to begin with, so take your swings, Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm not in love with those guys, the Eagles pass catchers for as, for as high as I still would probably put the Eagles as like a real team for fantasy. Like there's a lot of these guys that they have that are just do so much. They have such a wide range of outcomes, all these individual pieces outside of Zach Ertz that it's hard to really get on board at ADP. I mean, Everyone has just such a gap from ceiling and floor. I mean, even starting with Jay Ajayi, then you look at Alshon and whether he's, he's there for the regular season or not to start the year. Aguilar, Mike Wallace, all these guys have just such, you know, cattywampus range of outcomes. It's hard to really get on board board with all of them, man. I think Ertz is the only safe play out of that group.
1: Yeah. I've, Pretty much been not a hard fade, but I've been passing on the passing attack in general in Philly for the most part. And oddly enough, I mean, I've found myself drafting Jay Ajayi. Like, I it, it seems rather uh, wrong to do it that way because you know these efficiency n- numbers have to come down, like the the touchdowns have to come down. But it's like because of all of that, I don't see how they don't give Jay Ajayi more workload there. And I mean, where mm-hmm. I was able to get him in the fifth round, I'm like, oh, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and do that. Mike Wallace. You know, 18th round in a best ball, like I'll go ahead and do that. You mentioned the wide range of outcomes there, but he's like cheap AF, right? So sure. it's like that's those were the targets that I was looking at in Philly and everyone else I've been pretty much taking a pass on. Uh, next one here, Rich. We've got the uh oh, the Shark Tank app idea that doesn't exist today. Maybe maybe we can create an app that just like scours all of our favorite movies from the 90s and takes out all the parts <laughs> where like it it can sense uh some anger in the main character there, so we can figure out how to turn them into bad guys.
2: <laughs> I mean, listen, if I had a great app idea, I wouldn't be talking to you right now, man. <laughs> I'd be I'd be getting this thing out there. Uh. I've always wanted it not on app purposes though but like a stunt like a stunt spouse service and they could work either way for female or female or, or male whatever you need or any any spouse you need you're, you're just a partner service you know because there's just certain times like you know the type of profession I have uh, things get scheduled in the fall I can't make these things you know there are things I need to make, but I can't make them. So I need someone to fill in. I need someone to go. Go to these things for me. Fill in. You know, my my wife needs a designated spouse for some of these events. Show up and be be that spouse for a little bit, man. That's cool. Go do that. Fall on the sword. You gotta gotta run kids to all these practices. You know, hey, I need someone to get this make this happen for me sometimes. So I mean uh definitely uh something some of the ilk of that
1: what what is so awesome about that answer rich is that uh there was a movie done about it also i believe in the 90s and i, I please tell me you saw this it was michael keaton's multiplicity where he was a husband yeah Yeah, he he was a husband and he couldn't figure out how to make all these things work and so he cloned himself and then he cloned himself and you know his clone was uh, i think he called him he was steve number one or something right and he was the one taking the kids to soccer practices and and going on these you know grocery lists and whatnot and then he decided to clone himself a second time and then he clones it well by the time he got to the third clone like each clone he made of himself, the, the dude got like a little bit dumber, a little bit wonkier, right? So like Steve Number Three was like, "Hi, Steve, I like pizza." <laughs> that was pretty much. The, I don't know. That's the that's the part of the movie that sticks out to me anyway. So I I think we can make it happen. Like, can you imagine Rebar Number Three? Like, what what would he look like? I think that's really the million dollar question at this point. <laughs> I I want to just keep calling Michael Keans. <laughs> True. Michael Keaton, uh Michael Keaton, Michael Keaton. He's he's got to be the best Batman of all time, right?
2: He's the, he's the app. like you just, instead of like you just get a Michael Keaton like, to do the job <laughs> for you.
1: Personal Michael Keaton concierge service. I am on it. All right, redraft here. How do you see the breakdown of targets between Devin Funchess and DJ Moore? Uh, I really liked Funchess' value all season here, but how does Moore not see a ton of action as well? Am I okay to draft both of these guys for standalone value and insurance if the other one goes down?
2: Yeah, this is all really tough because I think if you look at a lot of the splits, I mean, even – Last year, so I mean, if we start with Funches, I mean, Funches wasn't that fantastic when both Greg Olson and Kel- Kelvin Benjamin played. I mean, his average weekly finish was just 40, wide receiver 47, as opposed to 14.3 when it was just him. He he had six targets per game in the seven games Greg Olson played, as opposed to 7.8, and the nine he missed. Christian McCaffrey also has super crazy receiving splits with, with and without Greg Olson. Um, it's, and now we add a first round rookie wide receiver to the mix, and, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a tough, and it's a low volume passing game as well. Like, there's no way this team's throwing, like, more than 510 times. Like, so now we, so now we got a lot to, like, a lot to look at here. Um, I think McCaffrey's still fine, obviously, where he goes, just because based on where his floor is, the running back position is fine. Um, Olsen's probably the one dude that's hands off to me, just because, one, you're not getting an injury discount. Where is the Greg Olson discount this season? Like, this dude's been, like, I know he, like injuries have played a part. He's been bad for a year and a half for famous football. This dude has been, uh he has two touchdowns over his past 17 regular season games. Under 40 yards receiving over that stretch. Like, why is he only, he's a round off of where he was last year. Like, where is the discount? Like, where, why is, Why are we getting a coupon on Greg Olson? Uh, so he's a dude, like, I just haven't been drafting at all just because, like I said, I, just, I don't equate like where why there's no discount there. Um, but Funchess is still really cheap. Someone's got to score touchdowns here if they're going to throw them, And, I mean, it's, it's either going to be Olsen or Funchess. And Olsen's the guy that's gone over, what, six touchdowns once in his career. So, I mean, it's got all signs point to Funchess, man, in the land of Smurfs. I mean, he's got to be the guy. Uh, to, to, at least score touchdowns. So you can at least, you will hold some wide receiver three value plus weekly, uh, find the paint, even if the targets really aren't there to like, float him yardage-wise and catch-wise. Cause I doubt any of us think Devin Fungus is gonna be like this PPR monster. Uh, so I mean, yeah, DJ Moore is electric, dude. Like, he, I mean, you saw it. Like, he's a guy that has that golden tape gene, like that, that playmaker gene. the yak yak machine i mean his dude is playing with like me and you as quarterback at maryland like they were just rotating guys out uh <laughs> that couldn't throw like <laughs> i'm pretty sure all those quarterbacks were, were left-handed they just didn't know it uh but <laughs> i mean yeah so i mean it's tough it's tough i'm not really drafting those guys i think it, you, you look at the cheapest options which are funchess and more more is probably more of the dynasty play i don't know how much redraft value he's gonna have and Funchus, like i said is cheap and he's got the
1: touchdown upside so i mean i still don't mind him where he goes all right, light uh lightning round here. The aforementioned Marlon Max injury, does that make you want to draft him before or after Isaiah Crowell?
2: I still want to take Mac.
1: How about Duke Johnson or the drums beaten for Peyton Barber? Oh, Duke Duke Johnson, hundred percent.
2: Like have a question.
1: Yeah, Randall Cobb or Robert Woods.
2: I right, mean this one's kinda kinda closer. Uh I'll stay with Cobb for uh you know, Aaron Rodgers factors.
1: And uh, Tyrell the Gazelle or Cameron Meredith?
2: Oh, man, this one's tough because I really want to buy the Cameron Meredith stuff, man. I really do. But, like, this dude, he's he's hardly practiced so far. He did practice today. Um, I don't really love Tyrell either because he's kind of, like, been – he's kind of proven that, like, he's just more of, like, the the lid popper guy. Like, he's not really for as big as he is, like, a a real banger, a real clasher. You know, a guy that's going to attack the football, and they've got – the, this the Chargers are missing so many red zone targets from Icer between Gates and Henry. I mean Mike Williams at least can carve into that. Uh this is tough. But I mean I'm gonna go with a guy that's just not hurt and, and go with Tyrell Williams, I guess, by default.
1: Yeah, you're taking Tyrell Williams I'm and not
2: not super confident in that.
1: No, and and I mean at this point, like you gotta take Ted Ginn before Cam Meredith, too. I'm sorry. Like uh, you just, oh, you, just yeah. you have to. You have to.
2: Absolutely that's not even a question.
1: Yeah. Uh, what about Ted Jared? He was
2: awesome last year. Why do people hate Ted Ginn?
1: I don't, I don't get we, it.
2: We, we, all we've talked about all offseason is how the Saints are going to, one, throw more, and two, throw more touchdowns. Like How, do, how does it not equate to people not parlaying and, like, Ted Ginn's going to be good
1: still? I mean, I like Michael Thomas as as much as the next guy, but he can't catch 20 touchdowns, right?
0: Yeah.
1: All right. Uh, Jared Cook or Austin Hoopa?
2: Oh, I'm – I'm listening, man. We're going to, this is for Denny Carter. It's all about Jared Cook. I mean, this is a <laughs> Cook, 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 was seventh in tight end receiving yards last year. I mean, he's been proven he's not like a touchdown scorer. That's, that's kind of the problem that, that's hurt him at the tight end position because it's a t- touchdown driven, uh, position. Uh, but I mean, Austin Hooper, man, like, what has Austin Hooper done? And they had Calvin Ridley, like, I mean, he had three or fewer catches in 12 games last year, five or fewer targets in 11. You add another guy like Calvin Ridley, like, I I mean,
1: I I don't really see the allure hanging out of the dream for Austin Hooper. All right, and then last but not least here, we've got Jimmy G, the porn bot, or Ben Rott. Oh, I mean, I'm
2: just, I'm staying with Ben Roethlisberger, man. Uh, I mean, let's has he's a Tony Brown, Le'Veon Bell, Juju uh, Smith-Schuster, arbitrage plan, all those guys going way ahead of him in the draft. Well Jimmy G um has a bunch of pieces. Like they're guys like we do we don't hate, but it's a bunch of pieces in San Francisco. Whereas you're out you want Jimmy G to elevate those pieces where Ben can go along for the ride with all these guys that go ahead of him.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't I don't get this one either. I don't understand how Jimmy G has an ADP above Ben Roethlisberger. It just doesn't make any sense to me with all the weapons surrounding Ben Rot. I, I just I just don't get it. Um, next one here, take a favorite or popular movie, change one letter in the title, what's the new plot, what's it all about?
2: How about we do Toys in the Hood reboot of both movies, Toy Story That's... and Boys in the Hood, and yes. bring them together. That's... We, make picks, we make this happen.
1: This this is this is awesome. This is actually epic at this point here. Okay, so who who's Ricky?
2: Oh uh, well, Ricky, Ricky's gotta be. Is it? The, well, the Penguin's not strong enough to be Ricky, even though the Penguin gets melted in the first toy story. Right? He loses his voice box and then dies. He's the one gets blown up. <laughs> so we can't we can't. We, he's not as strong of a character to be to have the Ricky moment. I guess he's the one that gets blown up though,
1: right? For the neighbor. Sid. Oh yeah, one hundred percent.
2: Uh, so I mean, we gotta have come up with where where either Woody or Buzz dies, and he's the Ricky. There's yeah, no way
1: Buzz has to be Ricky. Just I mean, just yeah. based on the profile, I guess the the athletic. Yeah, nature. you're right
2: because he's the new toy. He's got everything going for him. Uh-huh. And you're right. It's 100. percent It's gotta be Buzz.
0: Buzz. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> Listen. Someone pass this on to Pixar. Austin Lee. Austin Lee, can you make this happen? <laughs>
1: <laughs> who's? Wait, wait, wait. Who's? So, who's Ice Cube? The brother? Um, uh, well, it's Mr. Potato Head. It has to be Mr. Yeah. Potato. Head. Oh, yeah. I like that. I like that call. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, all right. Give us uh, last but not least here. Give us a sizzling, smoking, scorching hot take for the 2018 season. I. I mean, I'm going to stick with the
2: same one I gave Mansion back in February. And it plays into the guy we just talked about. Um, Mitchell Trubisky outscores Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, I can't remember. Are you a Bears guy or Lions guy? Bears, Bears. That's what I thought. Oh man, this is right in your
0: lane. <laughs> I'm coming
2: for you. um, but yeah, man. Uh, so M- Mitch has a lot of of supporters out there now at this point, and there's a lot pointing to him. You know, the new Jer- this year's Jared Goff or whatever. But I mean, uh, we we love the system. We love the pieces that they added. Uh, he doesn't have to throw a quarter of his passes to Kendall Wright now, uh, you know, or 40% of his passes to Kendall Wright and Dontrell Inman, uh, you know, and Deion Sims. They've actually got, like, actual football players on this team now. Um, even if you don't want to factor in the system, they're going to play faster. A lot of RPOs. This is a guy, that aver- he averaged 3.1 fantasy rushing points per game as a rookie. Um, so, I mean, you're going to have, you got a little Konami factor with the biscuit. Um, when-, when I look at Garoppolo, I'm fine with Grappolo if he was, like, a tweener. If he was, like, a tween QB2, it would be great. Um, but when I look for breakout quarterbacks, I look for two things. I mean, does this guy have potential to throw for 30-plus touchdowns? And Garoppolo's surrounding cast, he's got Marquise Goodwin, who has eight career touchdowns in fifty-five career games. Uh Pierre Garçon's never gone over six touchdowns in any of his ten seasons. This is a guy that played with Peyton Freaking Manning. Uh and you know we've got a we've got a rookie, our second year tight end that, that's coming off of a shoulder injury. I don't know where the touchdown upside is. So if the guy if the player doesn't have thirty plus t- thirty plus touchdown upside, does he have rushing ability to circumvent that touchdown loss? Grappolo has 17 career rushing yards in his starts. So, like, he's just not a guy I'm, I'm drawn to in the quarterback position. Whereas the Biscuit, you know, I say he's got a little bit of Konami factor. Uh It's on a team that's projected to score more touchdowns. They're proje- their team that were another one, that they were 50-50 rushing touchdown, passing touchdown split. Uh So, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm sticking with it. Listen, Trubisky is going, like, 12 QBs after Garoppolo
1: and is going to have a score on him. This is exactly why you need to go check out the worksheet from the king of Konami, the Sultan of Stat. Because I mean, you t- you not only give us a hot take, but you literally give us some just amazingly justifiable, uh, process re- reasons why it's a hot take that could not actually occur here. Just amazing stuff. So make sure you're checking it out out there. And everybody, that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a road of his podcast brought to you by the folks at the FFPC. If you have any questions you want, answered on the RV mailbag. You can submit them via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com or on Twitter at Radio. Use the hashtag RV mailbag. Rich, my man, always appreciate the time. Always a blast uh, catching up here. Uh, what do you got coming up in the near future over there at the Roto-Worlds?
2: Well, I mean, my off-season stuff, article-wise, is in the books. I just have a 50 players draft at cost that's only going to be in the draft guide. But next Tuesday, and you might, if you follow the Roto World football account, the Josh Norris, Evan Silva, myself, Pat Doherty, Ray Summerlin, we're going to be in Connecticut doing a live studio draft with seven other followers that purchase the draft guide and they're going to be randomly selected. So you can enter to get into that draft with us and, you know, we'll be analyzing your picks on air and doing stuff like that on the NBC uh, streaming. So, I mean, definitely follow that and, and get your name in the hopper there.
1: Fantastic. All of you folks out there out east in Connecticut, go ahead and make sure that happens. Uh, Rich, I'm sure your wife is going to have a Michael Keaton at home in your place <laughs> to take care of all the other stuff while you're gone there. Uh, so everyone be sure to follow him on Twitter at Lord Reeves and his uh, multiplicity at um, Michael Keaton. And also, please don't forget to, uh, forget to rate and review the show on iTunes. It means a lot. I'm Jeremy Hart at Fantasy Gumshoe. Okay, bye. for listening to Road of His Radio. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Fantasy Football Mailbag or Road of His Radio feed. Contact us via email, radio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think, so follow us on Twitter at Road of His Radio and at Fantasy Gumshoe. Tell your friends about us, and do not forget to sign up for a 30% discount through our podcast homepage on roadofhis.com. It's a no-brainer, folks. Thanks for tuning in.
3: Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited.
0: Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory love a good deal sail into the season at banana republic factory's mega labor day sale entire store 50 to 70 percent off dresses from 1999 polos from 1699 find your nearest store or shop online only at banana republic factory sugar ray leonard roberto duran marvelous marvin Hagler, and thomas hearns legends whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history